keep going. Hello. Welcome to the Keep Going podcast. Does running have a home court or a home base? With stakeholders across three distinct disciplines, those of track and field, road running, and trail and ultra running, is there any cultural center where we can invest our time, effort, and money to better cohere and thrive as a culture? Using Austin as a case study, we explore various means and modes of bottling the magic that running provides us as individuals into an elixir to share with all of movement culture. We come up against a number of seeming dead ends before we recognize that culture is about people, not places. It's about virtue and valor, not metrics and money. It's about personal growth and evolution, not market and shares. That's the written intro for this episode. We, Michael, John, and I have been talking around and through what running culture is and what this will probably be the overriding theme that goes on um, in the Keep Going podcast. Uh, we have a, we have, we thought this might be a little bit more of a universal conversation, but as it turned out, we ended up making it much more of a case study of Austin running culture. But maybe that resonates with you in Portland or New York City or Brussels or Tokyo or Sao Paulo, or wherever the, the many of you who listen to our podcast around the world are. And so I would really like to encourage all of you who think you might have some kind of answer or at least more questions that resonate around what a movement culture is, what running culture is, and how it might work in your local community. We'd love to hear from you. Using this episode as a branch off point share with us your thoughts on it just send me an email my email address is sisson s-i-s-s-o-n at telosrunning.com that's t-e-l-o-s and you know how to spell running we're very interested in what might make culture cohere and we have such a special culture with running but as many of you know those who come into this sport are sometimes lost. They're not really exactly sure where to start. And it's so simple. As John mentions, the home base is the place wherever you can walk out the front door and run, wherever there's a public place where you can put one foot in front of the other and move through space. But it does seem much more complicated than that, doesn't it? At least it does in our local community. So I invite you to join us on an episode that we call No Direction Home. We start with Dylan, so we decided to use Dylan as a reference in the title. So it's No Direction Home, Austin as a Cultural Case Study. Thanks for listening as usual, and Godspeed. I love it. I mean, I'm the, I've turned, I'm, I'm a new man. Excellent. I'm, I'm teeing it up before I, I go out to the driving range you know, I'm, just, I'm not just throwing balls at the hole anymore so what the hell are we talking about today we've we're guys like dear listener good luck
<laughs> Dear listener, last week we went on a very targeted topic because we've realized we needed a kinder, gentler approach to this podcast. But this week is going to be like the first nine episodes where we wander <laughs> around. Every, you know what? In every one of my intros, I'm like, and in this episode, we wander around this topic. <laughs> like the word wander is now like, a, like we should have named it wander or something like as that. Bob Dylan would say. He's <laughs> like, he just kept referring to himself as an expeditionary <laughs> in, in, in no direction home. Yeah. And I keep, I looked it up. And it was like, this word doesn't even exist. So I just started saying that I'm an expeditionary. Awesome. I yeah. think that's what the word was in that. It was a great documentary, though. Yeah, it was. Shakespearean. Man. Part two was just like, you gotta be kidding me. That guy is something special, man. He's something special. He, he, his ability to take the entirety of literary, like he's Shakespeare yep. and the romantic poets and the surrealists and you know, the Dada is, and then he put it all together, pastiched it all together, and then turned it into early on, like simple strum and drum, like folk songs that anybody could play around. And then he shifted with the, you know, with the Hawks, which then became the band yeah. into like play fucking loud right. from 1966. And then he went off into the woods and had a family and kids and then wrote, the, I mean, John Wesley Harding, which is like, not, every, <laughs> not everybody's favorite album, but one of mine, man. Yeah. That album was so good. Yeah, was they good. found Jesus? Oh, man. What's that? <laughs> What's the album with the train on the front Slow of it? Slow Train Coming, man. And there was a song on it. Um, oh, which one was it? There's so many, but there's a Slow Train Coming is on there. Oh. Um uh, I used to listen to it. It was on the hot dog mix at the restaurant. Everybody's like, take this off. And I was like, no, I love it. The hot dog uh, mix. Um, Dylan, oh, Dylan came into our episode two weeks ago, too, where I talked about something around my favorite, how, how much I thought that uh, Time Out of Mind is underappreciated. And they just released all the, all the they did the um, basement tapes version. Precious all, Angel. Precious Angel. There you go. They did all the best, the, 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 the full the full album treatment on that. And there's some really, really classic things on there. Um, Ivy saw Dylan in the early nineties and when she was living in San Francisco mm. and she said, I swear to God, I think he was fucking with us. Oh, he, he does. He was on stage and she said, I couldn't make out one word. He said the entire show. <laughs> <laughs> he was just going, wow. Yeah. And she said, everybody was just like, yeah. And she was I saw. Like, what are we watching? I saw him she play here crazy. at the Palmer Event Center before it was when it was in this like drum half oh, drum. Oh yeah, I remember. You know? that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and that show was like both like the most amazing and the most weird thing I ever saw because because uh, um, Charlie Sexton was his guitarist or he played guitar with him at that at some point I in time there. That. And that was just yeah. like burning, and it was like it, it had this weird Austin music bluesy vibe that he could play into but then he was singing like a croaked frog and you're like what is going on i know his voice is better than yeah. that anyway like but then i saw him again in the mid aughts i think and i said i'll never go see him again i'll buy every one of i still I, i'm still the hugest fan i'm just not gonna go see him yeah. live it just he's just yeah i mean i just can't see how like I would never go see this I love Bob the Stones Bob Dylan's a recording artist and a poet he, he totally like, is he, he, it's not about him 
necessarily even playing live. It's Ex- about what he does. Except and for how he does except yeah. for that that wild Mercury that whatever it was, wild Mercury that whole that wild Mercury sound thing that he did with the band in the late in the mid late six sixty six, sixty seven. Like the basement tapes? No, that's um that's the album that we were talking about. It says play fucking loud where the first half of it is, um, which is Royal Albert hall. Mm-hmm. So that's the, that's coming off of highway 61. Um, and, um, blonde on blonde, blonde on blonde and all that. So it's like that sound that he was coming, you know, like, uh, God, what a gr- fuck. he's amazing. God. Anyway, here we just went off on so five minutes of I'm, Bob Dylan. Do you think people we did? We did almost care? name this podcast the Basement Tapes. Like yeah. it literally almost happened. Yeah. So, <laughs> do you think folks would care about how we think about topics before we break into this one? Because you had one, Steve. John had one, and I had one. And right now we we're trying to figure out a how to. Ex- we're threading that needle pretty, pretty thin on how we like pick one. And I think it's kind of interesting that John throws out a banger topic, and then he's like, <laughs> "But let's not do it." No, because we cause, well, because <laughs> well, th- that's one that uh, I think because it's um, participatory. I think that one need that one may need some preparation time. I also think that one has a really it's really good for our fundamentals. It's right. like what you're going to ask that question that we ask next week will be like you're going to hit. For the fundamentals, because that's the way you kind of frame the question. Super, it's super cool. It won't be exactly fundamentals where we're boringly talking about a subject. It's like a little bit cooler way of doing it. And then mine is like, no, no one really needs to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> why, why so? <laughs> because no one wants no one wants to go pontificating mystical theories of life. And like, I think my question was something to the effect of like, what are the different ways we know? I'm like, I'm super, <laughs> he's getting, I'm like he's super like, into that job. I think John's in like graduate school level philosophy <laughs> stuff. And we're, we're like, what? And John, it's and, awesome. And John said, y'all are, y'all are going hard early. It was like, like, it was like 730 AM. <laughs> I was in the car. I was reading that. And I was like, I gotta get. But we're going. <laughs> but we're going with Michael's topic because, and next week we're going with John's, and mine will go off into the nether sphere, and we'll never come back. It'll come back as some kind of sub theme because those kinds of it things just, happen. It pops up all. The so, time. Michael, we did select your topic because it got both John and I super fired up okay. as soon as we saw it, and we both both selected your topic, even though we provided most excellent options. <laughs> <laughs> so, why don't you tell people a little bit about what? you were thinking when you sent the text well what the topic is mm-hmm. what you were thinking when you sent it and then maybe maybe push because you know we will pull another direction but push yeah the conversation down a certain pathway that then we can kind of figure out where we're going from there so i represent a, a type of runner who who got into the sport post college post collegiate um you know late 20s and just fell in love with the art of running. Just generally speaking, kind of using it as the physical side to the the mental side. I was working on cognitive behavioral shit, therapy, all that stuff, and I needed a, I needed a physical component to kind of like offset that and kind of play into it. You had to somatize it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you had had to kind of kind of understand the physical to the mental component of everything and. I fell in love with the sport and just started doing it. And, you know, years later, I'm designing footwear and building this brand. And 
have been over the past few years, I've asked myself this question a few times, which is what is the home court of what I'm doing? What, where is home court? And it's such an open-ended question, but I, when I come back to something so many times and obsess about the answer to it, I don't think it's um, a lost cause to kind of at least try and understand what home court is. And what I mean by that specifically, if anybody's seen like the rise and fall of and one that Netflix documentary and you know, the story of, um, you know, vans or skateboarding or what Spike Jones was doing in California to lift up, you know, skating culture and just street skating and stuff like that. So I just watched a really cool documentary on YouTube about um, Jerry Lopez, the pipeline surfer mm-hmm, who mm-hmm. and he surfing has a and home he court? recreated he recreated an entire he recreate he was a shaper and he recreated it so there, there's so think there's about lots that. of it there's a lots of this in the world there. and so my theory as i started kind of drawing an idea between i really started looking into these things and 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 i came up with one discernible trait among them all and these really volatile movements cultural movements almost that 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 really push they move societies <laughs> big time. And I started saying like, well, how and why and when? There's always the right place, right time factor to it. But all of them had, you know, with with the surf, you're looking at how, how far do surfers go out before they catch a wave? I mean, they're, they're within eye's break. reach, right? Oh, yeah. If you can so always watch. Usually you can watch. You it. Can I mean, there's watch places it. in Indo where they go and take their little boats you out. You can there, watch it. Yes, you can. And... There's a section of the beach that's home court. Like you, you just phrased it in our in preamble before we hit record. Like 400 meters of yeah. I, I, then I came like up that. like a track. Let's just say all right, a couple hundred meters by a couple hundred meters, so 400 meters squared. I started thinking it's kind of in eyes reach. Um, you know, there's skate parks. You can put stickers on it. You can you can convene before and after the activity. You can bring style to it. You can. Um, you can and one has the basketball court you had the street ball and with the basketball courts and the community courts and the it it was just like everything with these massive massive kind of cultural movements came with a home court and lifting that home court up sharing that style with the world and then watching it spread you know one person would say you gotta come see this thing it's awesome we're all doing it now check it out so I started thinking about running. I was thinking, okay, well, I'm from Louisiana. We, we used to have a run club. We met at my hot dog restaurant. We called it the Hump Day Run, and it was awesome. We had 50-some-odd people show up, and we went and ran three miles, and it was just about the before and after. Yep. Frankly, I did it to, to have a good time, to meet people. It was not about running. It was about the event. Like It was about being there in the community, um, what we were going to wear, who they were going to bring, what's the mix between the guys and the gals, like what's going on here. Seeing and being seen. It's like exactly. The dance. Like it was the dance. so much. We look like forward to it. Like the dance matters because nobody wants to go to a place and just watch each other. So the dance matters, but it's all about exhibiting your personal mm-hmm. style. And we look yeah. forward to it every week. You could not find a cooler event than 
the Lake Erie Runners hump day run at Botsky's. It was so fucking awesome. And so I was like, all right, there's that. So I was like, is that home court? Is that our home court? And then I started thinking about Austin, which is, I was talking to my buddy Trey the other day. He's a part of our Trey Run Club. Here we meet, you know, out on Town Lake. It's a 10-mile loop, but it's got a three-mile section, a five, a seven, and a 10-mile, you know, cutoff. And I'm like, is that our home court? Ah, it got me thinking. And I was like, Trey, how do we exhibit our style? Are we a team versus their team? And are we at all in the league? Like, what's going on here? And we had determined, you know, Austin is just this massive, massive authority on running culture. And it's got a lot of great. It's got a lot of style. But it's also mixed in with a lot of other stuff. It's just a very, very interesting town to run in. And it's, in my opinion, it's probably one of the most predominantly running-centered towns I've ever lived in. And... And so I started thinking, well, is Austin the home court or is the Town Lake Trail the home court? So I thought I'd, I'd present it because as, a, as I'm trying to build the Atreyu brand, one of the things I desire most is to invest into what I believe is the coolest culture, the coolest style. I want to lift that up and I want to go hard, but I don't know if I should be looking to San Francisco, San Diego, you know. Uh, or New York, or Baltimore, or Detroit, right. or if we just invest into Austin and encourage other peoples to invest in their city, and we push and pull on those styles. So I just was like, how do y'all define it? And where, not even from the brand level, it just got me thinking of the bigger picture. Is there something where people can this is such a cool topic delineate between like what is what's what goes i've always when you brought up home court it took me a while to like figure out exactly what you're talking about and you just clarified even more and i and it went like i've always thought of runners or i'm sorry running as something you can do on any public place and that's why what i loved about it you, it's if it's public you can run there right right um probably 50 times a day when i'm driving around taking the kids to school or picking them up or going to the grocery store or doing whatever i see something and in my head i think i want i want to run there and it can be a road that has a really cool hill that curves around it can be a golf every golf course I see <laughs> every single golf course I see I'm like I could make the most awesome cross country course mm. on oh my god I, I think and I, live I know golf courses are running in disguise like if they could just not make the, the pavement not pavement anymore and just make them track surfaces like can you imagine Dude, just, what that just, would do for the sport just pack like, dirt <laughs> is fine yeah. with me but so I think that home bait particularly in cities home base is the roads where people live like you've seen the black roses mm -hmm. running club page mm -hmm. that's what i think of every single time london has the serpentine club yeah it's really similar yeah mm -hmm. and whoever does their photography and all is like like i want to go run with those people and i don't even know them mm -hmm. just because they all look so cool 
Um, and they come in all shapes and sizes, all they, colors, yeah. all everything. They're so it's, diverse, but not playing the diversity card. It's just like, it's, these are the people who run in New York City. And, and the this other is thing who we too, are yeah, and what we look like. It's New York City, so the yeah. streets are Grimy, grimy. Just, man, <laughs> and they're on the bridges and... It's, it's like if you run in Detroit too, they have like the smoke coming up. And like Detroit has a cool running culture. It it's really not, does. It's got a mm-hmm. it's got a burgeoning run culture that's matching. It's like regrowth and as a city itself, right? Yeah. And so I think whichever I think I think it's regional or geographical. You so where, regional geographical where Austin's is. I mean, certainly Austin has the track component from University of Texas. And there's the track down at Austin High School that people, but the track is track is very exclusive in a lot of ways. It almost represents the NBA in the end one, in my idea. Yeah, it's like because. But don't forget, don't forget how many kids participate in track and field races right. until they get through high school. So yeah. there is that. It is true that the cultural element we think of about track and field is so focused on an elitist kind of concept. But there is an every man, every woman component to the track that I think is rarely recognized. And this is, just to get on quickly, getting on a soapbox and quickly getting off, how USATF is so fucked up because they do not represent the everyday person on the roads or the track or the cross we don't have or community the cross or track and field events that everybody is dying to we run used in. to but very yeah. rarely do they there are places like i know i know portland does does this really well they have a summer track series you used to have a summer track series that was awesome. when i lived in dallas after college run, run techs used to have the and best it one awesome. it was at ut we used to do all kinds of different events it was yep. cra- it was crazy but anyway go ahead sorry I'm and getting so off i think it's like for austin it's a combination of town lake and the roads where we run on in our neighborhoods. So does it go, and I'm gonna get very literal about yeah. this. Does it go, do, do you, is there another trophic level that that you look into at the club level or the coaching level or the group level or Morning Joe's who meets at Joe's Coffee? Like, do you look at it at that level or are they a part they're of all, home court? They're all a part of, home court is the places where we go out and run on a daily basis. That's, I mean, if. So there's a challenge there. And to me, where I gravitate towards is there's a challenge for the, the, that home court, because it's so wide, it's so widespread is that how do we promote it and lift it up? And I've always been in that. When I moved to Austin, I came from a very small community, Southwest Louisiana. And I was doing an, an interview the other day with REI about like, what's, why is that so, why are you so passionate about that? And I was like, because the community was so much smaller that it felt so much more meaningful because yep. it was all connected. Right. So when I moved to a city where everything's so seemingly disconnected right. and each group represents another thing, it confused me. Yeah. And I was like, are we all working together? I made it a mission of mine. I want to bring things and people together. That, well, that's I don't that, know. In, in, at least in the U.S. cities, I think because so many of the groups who have, you know, like the Morning Joe, their Morning Joes have a coffee shop 
that you see in all their pictures, right? Mm -hmm. We're in a really big city that doesn't... It's almost like it's too big to have a, a collective community center. Do you know what I mean? Which is where that w wacky idea came right. from where I was like, I'm going to start a coffee shop in a warehouse. We serve coffee and any run club can come to it. Anybody's invited. Yeah. You can start a coaching group there. You can start a club there. But that's like, that's yeah. that's the locker room. Yeah. No, I... And, and but, but apparently in this day and age, there's that's a slippery slope because yeah. like, what is that, a business or a locker room? Right. Because then you're just going to have kind of folks sticking around right. and it's going to smell all, like... So John, <laughs> so I argue that, so, so I'm going to be a little devil's advocate here because this existed in Austin before. Yeah, and Austin is totally schizophrenic and will probably continue to be schizophrenic for the next, maybe for forever, just because of the way these subcultures have grown up. But it used to be that the place to go in Austin, there was no question, it was Runtex, period. Well, whether it was at 12th and Lamar yep. or whether it was South First Riverside. And that place, when we, if we were in the late 90s, early aughts, we would say, oh, there's no question, home base, home court advantage, South First and Riverside, yep. wherever Runtex is. Yep. And not all of them, because you note there was the subcultural element of Jimmy Tex, which was this Runtex right. located on Lake Austin Boulevard right. on the other side of the lake, right? And that one had only a s smaller group of misfits and yeah. outcasts and wonderful personalities. And a smaller group of shoes. And a smaller group of shoes and <laughs> like occasionally and, and, and one coach running out of that location yeah. and other things. But yeah. so I think that in other locations and other, in other cities, you may find this where that element is what you're talking about, Michael, where there is a community center that pushes that but well, when Runtex shattered when Runtex fell apart it before it fell apart things started to move different directions so then it moved that that home base this is a little hist history of Austin a little short history of Austin is it moved from home base being Runtex to then there were new shoe stores opening up so right. Rogue opened up um a hill country hill country running right. company opened up to hit more of the track they were from a triathlon environment mm -hmm. and so there were these other there were these other elements that popped up and so people moved to those things and then the groups sort of became the training group then became kind of home base right. but then they started splintering and yeah. splitting up and those are still pretty big home base yeah gilbert's gazelles rogue raw the Morning Joes, even though the Morning Joes are free and Raw is free, they're still vibing. They're, they're still vibing on that same community element of we have a we have a shtick. Yeah. So for Rogue, it was we're taking the everyday athlete and, and saying they're an elite. Does, and they're training does like Raw an elite. have a home base bar. They used mean to. Mean I Cat. I mean I Cat. Yeah, Mean I Cat. Yeah, okay. and it's been there for a long but time. And they're still, Float Track yeah. boys, right? That, right? So that's a Float Track. That's an out form. Float Track didn't like. Float Track wanted to do what Rogue was doing. But they didn't want to do it with Rogue. Right. So they, Flow Track Boys, pulled off and went to Mean Eyed Cat and created their own free group. But their, their attitude is party, party, yep. right? And we're going to party, party, and we're going to run hard. But they weren't hashers, right? They weren't right. going to do the hash thing. Um, anyway, there's all these. So there's all, now there's these subcultures. That's the problem is it seems like every, not Everything everybody's is, working in synchronicity. And we're correct. losing the idea of home court. So, and so we don't have an idea 100%. of home court. I think. And it's not, it's not here. We have the best one of the best running communities on the planet earth and i just don't feel like there's all a of it seems 
correct me if I'm wrong, that all of these home courts are retail based in some way, right? Which well, is, which except is except for well, even Joe's. And if it's a retail lot based, yeah. then you're actually adopting a lot of the culture of the brands, which yep. is I think that's that's a yep. slippery slope. Yeah. Well, that's the problem. That's why I say it's schizophrenic because that's the because at least in Austin, I can't speak to any other community, but I have been in this place. I've done I've done a lot of different things in this community, and it, it it's not Paul's fault. No, but Paul loved chaos. Paul, the owner of Runtex, loved chaos. So he wanted all this diversity and divergence and like people doing kind of brewed up all this. It's part of his thing. And he liked conflict as long as it wasn't direct. He liked a little sub conflict. It worked really beautifully. A lot of wonderful things. As as long as the conflict uh, evolved into competition. Correct. It was always in he depth as a way to make it. But there was a core. Yeah. He he loved the competitive element and it was all about the competitive element. So there were teams and styles. So So that's where you got the style from each group working with each other in competition. If you ask people in the nineties where was where was the most important thing Runtex did, what do you think it was, John? Some people will say races, but I don't think it's I I think it was uh, like building a a running community out of nothing. I think it's water on Town Lake. Oh, you're talking specific. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was and and what was that? That was free water on Town Lake in the summer at both ends. It was cold. Somebody was always monitoring it, and it had a logo on it. Yep. Always had that logo. And he had a special relationship with Parks and Rec, remember? Yep. So there was they they were they it. were buddies. Oh man, they that's could another do idea. I was telling <laughs> Lena, my fiance, the other day. I was like, you know what I'd like to do is I'd like to get water stops. I want to get a full on food service permit. I want water stops all over the city, and people can go from water stops. You know what Paul used to have us do? Water stops. He rigged a couple water jugs onto the trailer on a back of a bike and he made like everybody had to take turns doing it. That was one of the jobs we had. And you went and rode the three mile loop over and over and like over. A, like and a, like the ice cream caddy. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. a, like, yeah. and yeah. He, you'd see, you know, like you want some water and they're like, yes. And, and he got so much love. Dude. Uh, and he, it would be like 114 degrees out there. Yeah. And be like, That's awesome. Uh, so yeah. cool. So I do think there's a potential it in this awesome. community for a home court. Um, I think there is a potential, you know, one of the things that happened with that was always sad to me and I never understood. I have never been a member of the Austin Runners Club. Hmm. I was going to bring I've them been up. involved yeah. in this community at every level and I've never been a member of Austin Runners Club. And I think that's because they got a bit defanged because all the early years it was associated with run techs. And then when it came out of that phase, there were all the running groups and then they kind of had, and you know, here's another group that's incredibly important to talk about when you talk about groups is Al's Ship of Fools, which is a free Dude. group that the ARC has been doing for forever. And that group is incredibly powerful. And incre- I mean- And it's huge. And it's huge, right. Anyway, th- so I do think the ARC, but I have another a new candidate because it's got hip status. I think if I think it, if there were a candidate that I would be looking, if I wanted to make an investment in some time, energy, or money way, mm-hmm. um, I would consider the Town Lake Trail Foundation because I think that's gonna. They need to. They are Town Lake is the heart of Austin running. I argue so is the the green belt, but the green belt is always going to be something that you're never going to be. It's never going to be as cool or as prominent as what happens on town Lake and town Lake trail foundation, quote unquote owns it, right? They, they, they've actually 
com- almost completely taken I think they over. They changed their name recently. It might be it the might Trail be. Conservative. Maybe so. Conservative. Is it? Is it not? I'm not sure what it is now. We can look. We, look it up, Lena, real quick. We can post um, that. I'm actually curious to get that because I saw. I, I think they said they had some signs out there that said this is our new name. Mm. Hmm. The Trail Conservancy. Conservatory. Conservancy, Conservancy something like that. <laughs> anyway, I think that there's a potential. So I'm not saying that's it, but I Foundation's think. Foundation's not good enough. I think that's a potential. But this is the other thing, reason why when you said that you were thinking about doing a physical location, like you're talking about, a coffee shop slash home base, place to go. I do think that if if I were you and you could afford to do it, I think you're one of the few, Atreyu, because there's no other running shoe brand in Austin. Of sub, of, that I know of, right? So you reach all those people across groups, across disciplines. Across, I've got high school boys that run track and wear your shoes. I've got people who, you've got a trail shoe now. Now, a lot of people probably racing in those, but maybe there are people that are out there. I certainly would. Um, and so I think that there's a potential. And again, we're not turning this episode in, just so everybody knows, this episode isn't how to fix a Treyu. It's more like... This is this all came it? from a Treyu is interested in defining this. Right. So what and would it I look actually, like? from a bigger level, I was like, oh, this is bigger than a Treyu. This is, this needs to be defined. But I think that that's, but I do think that there's something about a physical location. I, I don't know that it's retail. You guys said retail. I don't know that it has to be retail. I don't think it has to be that. Oh, yeah. But it has think, to be. That's what it's, some, it looks like it's been so far. And maybe it's you know? something different that you recreate. You know, one thing I've been arguing for years, I wanted Rogue to be a co-op. Mm-hmm. Collective, a collective, but we couldn't do it because we were fighting against Runtex because they were still alive. Yep. And then Hill Country Runner Cl- Running Company came up, and then eventually the Loop came into the mix. And then and oh, what's his name for the Dallas guys? Uh, Luke's, Luke's came in for a while, and then and then it was fight, 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 fight instead of the open ended. And I was like, yeah, but it, I still think that some kind of cooperative that I said, just think there's this idea, and it's the same damn yellow building that the, the tequila company yeah, moved into right. and i'm like that is ground zero and it and it owns and it basically takes back where it all came from which is Runtex and paul yeah right and it's and it always has it and, and it's like a running community this center. place where like your group steve tellos john your stable of athletes can come in y'all can meet there you can fill up the water stops you can do this thing there's banter Mm -hmm. there's something i'm like we are missing such a massive opportunity to lift up the whole community at the level because if you provide competition without the sport then it's just it's just boring. It's it. You're living in the same world where everybody's just trying to make more money than the other person, mm-hmm. and that's that to me is where at risk. It just trying to make more money from the club level or the brand level or the retail level than the other people, and something about it just seems like there can be a much bigger opportunity where all the t- like what is it? What's the saying? The tide rises and lifts all the, the shit. What the tide it? lifts all boats or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. So just just build the community up. Give us, define the home, and everybody's going to win. There, I, I forget the stats, but like I'm pretty sure that Town Lake has one of the most populated running traffic and activity. Like It's like one of the top in the country. Yeah. Like more people run on that trail than most places. So it's like... 
I've just thought of it. There was another initiative too that could have been a bridge here. Do you remember the back the track initiative yeah, yeah. that came yes. where, where the Austin Heights track was just getting Austin over, High is amazing. It's and it's overrun yeah. by the number of people that use it at different times, and they were trying to turn that into some kind of. Um, they were even considering the potential of turning it into a venue that could be used for elite level races and bringing elites in and things like that. I mean, you think about it, it's just a perfect location for it. But um, that all, again, all the, the stakeholders there were members who they were, they were people who, who were hoping to be able to continue to use the facility, but weren't necessarily sure how that was going to be regulated, managed and handled. And then eventually time became what it is. It just washed away the roots of what was going on. There were a few people carrying that baton. I know Leo Manzano was really adamant about trying to make that happen. I know the gazelles were involved. I know Rogue was involved. I know lots of different shareholders and stakeholders were involved. Paul was involved. They still have the signs out on the track. They do, but it doesn't seem to be an initiative anymore. And I think that could have been a physical location that could have done something like that. But There were some new signs too that are like, you have to apply and it looks like they're maybe trying to regulate how how much traffic is there because well i i i mean i don't know how valid these are but i've heard a couple stories of people of the ad coming out and running people off lately i've no, i've heard that just yeah. recently i had an athlete that was scooted off there yeah. um uh, we were we were yesterday yeah. Uh, we did some strides on the track. And well, we I'm a little like, worried. I, I didn't know if that was a single serve event or if it was like, hey, we're trying to. Well, I can tell you up. Thursdays, there's some group that shows up there on Thursdays and they have taken over the entirety of the track. There, No one can do any work at all. And we've had many different groups training on the track at the same time with no right. conflict. But this particular group likes to warm up on the track mm. and they're large. There are a hundred people in the group. Yeah, when you're running up, in and like the first up, three lanes. And they're and warming. Well, they're you, you on lanes of, three, four, and five, but it's just, there's if you're on lane, there's nowhere to go. There's yeah. no, anyway. But that, so the one thing I'd like to bring this back to, etiquette. I'd like to break this back to something more universal for people outside um, sure. Austin who might be listening to this, which is what, what do we think that there is, you know, when, you, when I consider when you guys were talking about running culture, I think that one of the things that's always problematic with running culture is that it's a series of subcultures. And you can look at the and one environment and say, okay, and one was this pro league, but there were these other guys that were doing pickup ball and then they were able to market. But they, what they had was they had this competitive element that was there. And you know, one of the things that's come up as a return here is competition. And what does competition look like? Because our, not necessarily competition to see who the winner of the cultural war is, but that competition bring, like we're, we are, we're Romans. We want to watch the gladiators. And it's also fun <laughs> to be a part of a team that competes. I mean, one of the coolest yeah. events in Austin is the, is, is, is Paul Perone's, um, Zilker relays event that happens yeah. every mm-hmm. spring, every, every fall. To at me, the that's of the, the most community oriented race. Uh, Gazelle's is pretty cool. I mean, the, the run for the water is pretty oh, cool. Oh yeah. Actually, run for the water is yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. You're, you're right about that. And cap 10 is too. Cause they finish at the shores. The only cool, difference though, between those two, and no Gilbert's problem. done an incredible job with run for the water. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, honestly it's kind of a miracle like how amazing that race is and the turnout the difference though with zilker relays is that it feels like people are out there grilling hot dogs yeah having fun that's waiting kind for of the party. like a cool they're pushing hard if that and was like for the party. every weekend or once a once a mm-hmm. month and we mm-hmm. could like mobilize that effort to kind of 
be a place where people stay before and stay after. Like there's there's something. You know, there's there's so much opportunity. The cycling here. community has the driveway series, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. And the drive. Have you ever been out to the driveway series? Yeah, it it's. Uh, it, I've never attended. Um, Lena, my fiance, has gone many times because she's known a lot of the the cyclists. Yeah. And 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 I hear it's just pretty amazing. It's really good racing to watch. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really crit crashes style. and yeah. shit. Style, yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, it's a diehard too. I mean, they have like pros at the highest yeah. level going out there, yeah. and it feels like, like it's like the. There have the, been some big names show up. I've heard. I've never seen any woodshedding for but, cyclists down there. And just but doing if their there thing. was a place, it almost like, um, what's the loop off Great Northern? Um, a lab loop. Lab loop. Right. Something like the lab loop, where once a month or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and But the driveway series is a weekly thing. So during the summer, because it's hot and you need to make people miserable, you go weekly, you know. Um, you know, one of the cool things, I I just, one of the cool things I just thought of, I had this idea a number of years ago and I pitched it to, um, this is in my final year, final date, my, my end of times at Rogue was, I was hanging around with Mallory and Jason Brooks a lot because they were, um, taking over the Rogue Trail Series, and they were um, coaches at Rogue, and but they were trail running enthusiasts, and they were had a trail running company, and they did trail running things. They're really cool people. They recently moved to Buena Vista, Colorado, and they're not here anymore. But they we they came I ran up, with Mallory for about two miles at the Austin Marathon. Yeah, they, so they, she was leading the uh, yeah, the pace, the pace group. group. Yeah. yeah, they um they had this idea. We well, I don't know if I came up with the idea or if we came up with it together. I'm not really sure which uh, I can't really say. But they came up with this idea of a vagabond series where they basically did a Strava, they did a Strava challenges, right? And I still think that's a really cool idea where you could say you could stake out a location in every, and that way you didn't hit any community. This is one of the challenges that we have with these community things. Um, you know, one of the, you know, so anyway, they, they, let me get through the potential idea before I start coming up with all the problems associated with it. But, you know, people could, you could do is say, hey, you've got a week window to go do this particular loop or do this thing, put down your best event. We've got three different categories. We've got a category for the fasties, which is a single loop of the lab loop, right. or we've got a loop of how many you could do in a five, four hour window. And then we've got the, whoever it is that decides that they're just going to go until they can't go anymore. And now you've hit three different levels of the community. You've right. hit a group that can do a 5K. You've hit a group that would do maybe 16 miles or 12 miles. You know, that sort of sweet little 25, 20K, 25K yeah. distance. That's such a sweet little distance. And then you do, you know, you do a ranking system and you do a head-to-head system mm-hmm. and then they compete with each other. And, you know, then overall, and overall, that I don't know what, uh, you, what you're showing me, but it looks the, like what I'm talking about. Chase the Throne for the Trials oh, yeah. of Miles series. Mm-hmm. They did that. It was a virtual mm-hmm. challenge. They created a segment on Strava. And then and people can team like up with Rory individual- and Mark Pinales and all those guys yeah, were going right. like head to head, but they would, they would go out there and they would, I think there was like on the Mopac side of the loop, they did like a 5k segment and they all waited. They had some strategy and like, is this person going to do it now? Are they going to wait yeah, to the last minute? That's so cool. <laughs> and they kind of, they did it. The only problem with that is that it was virtual and I, although the idea looked and felt and was awesome, I just was like, man, it just didn't feel like an in-person event. Oh, you, so this is the key. This is the key. This is where your community center comes in. And you do the post-race event party there. 
Mm-hmm. So one of the coolest things about when we first started the Rogue Trail Series, when it first started, we couldn't, we were, the, the park wanted us, this was because I was at Run Tex and we had a special relationship with the parks department, um, but we had, we would run the courses and we needed to get out of there pretty quick. Yeah. Like we had to get out of there. So um, what we would do is we would go to a local Double Dave's pizza shop, which isn't open anymore, Craig Chase, uh Double Dave's. I used to, I used to order Casey Double Dave's. They were open late. Yeah, they were a pole, the pole vaulter from UT owned that place. <laughs> I went to UT for a few semesters and I remember Double Dave's. Yeah, the pole vaulter from UT owned it and we would go over there and do the post-race event and it was one of the coolest events of the year, right? And um, those are the kinds of things that Runtex used to do. So I do think that there is a serious potential that um, that that there, you, you know, you need a neutral party to create because of the schizophrenic nature by schizophrenic. I mean, there's multiple personalities going on in this town that don't play well with each other, not because they don't care about each other, but because especially if you think about the heads of them, I mean, my group is in competition with that city in competition. I'm air quoting people in competition with the gazelles in competition with rogue. And that's, for, all that's us, for a market share that's of for a market like athletes share. coming but, in to train. Yeah, but that's not a, just that because the they, the no, field. they tribe up, man. Like me and Gilbert, we have, I don't know how many times when I was at rogue, we would talk about the problems that we had between our two groups, recognizing themselves as separate entities and sort of warrior style competition, West side story style competition. And there was no healthy outlet for that. You know, we didn't, didn't do a, you and Gilbert talked about that together. We did talk about it because we were both disappointed and saddened by it, but there wasn't much we could do. Oh, I see. But there was a desire to create a league. There was no, no. There wasn't a desire to recognize the value and necessity and importance of diversity and different kinds of groups sure. doing okay. different kinds of things. Because rogues were at that time, rogues would not, would not really didn't fit the gazelle style, and the gazelles really didn't fit the rogue style. They're two different styles, even even the day. fast gazelles were like, no, I still run with joy, and the rogues were like, we're going to cut people's heads off and shit down their throats. Like yeah. it's just a completely different attitude, and so there was a different vibe. But I think much of that stuff has filtered in the in the twenty in the you know post pandemic. Mm-hmm. There's more opportunities. There's more you know there still aren't stores, but that's because maybe stores don't need to exist, but doesn't that make an opportunity there to say, what would a cultural event center look like? You know, you think about the loop. I love Pam and Ryan are the cool, are super cool. I would love for that to be, they're so tiny. There's such a tiny footprint because real estate is so expensive in Austin. So how do you do that? You and know, they're right next to fleet feet. Correct. And but they're new not, fleet feet. And yeah, there's right. two different groups with two different vibes yep. working completely autonomously. Correct. And, and that that to to I, and there's I some just, sense of competition there. Whether you know we're not, I'm not in those worlds, so I don't know it. But you know they're probably thinking about and there's that as a yeah. there's as a, competition. But what we keep coming back to is it seems like there's two levels of competition. One is very basic market share competition. We want our tribe, our sales, our thing, and that's a very natural thing. Sure. But there's another level of competition which is the exciting one that doesn't have anything attached to it other than the event itself. And that's where there needs to be some connective tissue and identifying that and building it up is the greatest opportunity 
in the next evolution of running in Austin that I can even, I can't even imagine how awesome it would be because it's like too powerful of an idea to even think about where to, like what's step one. I mean, I could tomorrow be like, all right guys, let's go build it. Let's go build a team. Let's, let's create some type of fund because real estate in Austin is way <laughs> too fucking high mm-hmm. and commercial real estate is sitting there at $45 a square foot for you know metal building space and shit it's out of control so like i mean at last i looked some of these buildings buildings we're talking about were like $24,000 a month like i don't know what you have to clear to like to do that that's out i mean I, we don't even have an office we cannot afford an office we work out of my living room same place where we're doing this mm-hmm. podcast today a tray doesn't have an office we don't have a communal space because we simply don't have the ability to put operating capital into a space like that so it would it would have to be a massive monetary effort to afford a locker room like we're talking about to service the neutral like well that's facility. what that's what rogue did rogue did the, did all that the only problem with rogue is that that building right now and i'm not throwing smoke but i kind of am is just that we were in that building a tree was in that building for we looked at that space and we wanted to go into it but it's a crossfit building now mm-hmm. that's what it is it's mm-hmm. not an endurance running it's not a team running thing it's 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 overtaken by CrossFit and great they for still them. Sell shoes they're, in there? they're thriving. Yeah, uh, they're, they're, Fleet Feet's in there now. Yeah, yeah. so they're they're thri- that that company and that model and that culture. CrossFit's always thrived, and they've done such an incredible job. CrossFit's another great example. Yes, they have a home court. That shit spreads like a wildfire. It's amazing. So that building to me is where I wrote the business plan. It's where I hung out. I worked on the floor there. Mm-hmm for like six or nine or 10 months. And I will, if that building ever, if, if that building were to ever not have a running component to it, the day that that happens, I told, I told everybody, I told Jake and Lena and everybody, I was like, I will cry. I will like that. That building is special. Yeah, I, we, I was a part of building that building. It's special. I mean, Ruth England it's, and Chris McClung were the primary movers of that. Ruth especially. She did so much of the heavy moving on that project and made that happen. Um, but, you know, I know, I don't know the lease term. I mean, I do, but I'm not going to talk about the lease terms and everything else. But I do know in the long term that event, that place will be... It's not going to be there for 20 more years. That's for sure. The real estate, it's... it's well, the owner, so it's a special valuable. building because the owner was an own, owned the... Had, it was a um, a Mercedes-Benz... It was yeah. called Benz Workshop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a Mercedes-Benz Workshop, and, and they worked on the cars there, and he bought it back in the day, and he made a ton of money, and I think he makes money somewhere else, Ben, the owner. And so he all he needs to do is get... all he want, He wants to give it to his kids. As their as a inheritance, basically, and um, so he wants to keep it there and wants it doing, and he loved that it made the change that it was, and he needed to get a nut to make it work, and he did do that, and he works with them. But even when we opened that building, we were pretty sure we had a limited window of time. I don't know what that limit is, maybe, and maybe Chris has renegotiated that in different ways. But it seems like when you stand there, perfect location, it's going to turn into condos almost one hundred percent for sure because it just it's just not that's all. 
that's all that can go there, right? Well, You've it got used a, to even have the the little. It had a coffee shop in it. It did. It we had, had a bar. We had a coffee shop. We put a bar in there. Mm-hmm. We had the first running shoe store with a bar. At least the first Run one I knew. Lab of. was in there at one point. Correct. So Sports Cairo. Correct. That was know. our vision. Our vision was to create a one stop shop for everything that you needed. Because we tried to do that at the other location at Rogue when we were on the east sure. side, and we just couldn't do it because it was a tiny little place, and so that's why we expanded to move. Well, we knew we were going to lose our parking lot over there, so there were just there were moving pieces that changed and moved all that. It's you know, a I think, special place to me. I think I got, Rogue I had a window. Place. I love going back. I went yesterday. I just sometimes I go back just to yeah. look at shoes and to kind of like sit there and I talk I to can't. all the staff and I can't go back there. It's, <laughs> it, it's that, shit, that shit's haunting. I know me. you got. I know you I got, got some, history there. I have some serious history there. <laughs> yes. But that's the cool thing is that the building has magic. It does. And not magic doesn't always have to be beautiful. You and, know, and it, before it, it was a CrossFit gym, the reason that building got built was because of Beto from pure austin another that's right so there were used to be there was a cycling kind of component well he was a he was a serious cyclist and they had this special gym where they were doing different stuff in it anyway all this to come back to culture is i think that i do think some of the key elements is you need physical location for people to come to in some kind of way shape or form and then you need um competition of some level not necessarily competing against each other but more some level of there's a there's a show. There's something to watch. And then I think maybe, you know, one of the things that would be interesting too is, is there an entertainment? Maybe it's not competition. Maybe it's entertainment. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's an opportunity to do. Maybe it's like a food truck park. <laughs> or you could call, or you, could, you could like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Or you could. With locker you could, showers. You could it's find a, really a bar. Nice you could find a bar location that wants to generate revenue and you get everybody in the community to do an, a monthly awards thing. I mean, think of all the things you could do from a running culture. You could, could do a combined thing for different groups where individuals and teams could compete at all these different events and you could weight them and scale them at some kind of level so that somebody running 800 meters and somebody running 100 miles could be scaled with those scale charts that they have that exist and then you plug them in and then the teams could put their best five people together and then it comes out and raw versus rogue versus telos versus bat city versus whoever but then you also have that so you have that element floating but then you have all this other ones where individuals who aren't associated with those teams can see where they rank on a ranking scale you know do you remember patrick kitchens did a thing fit fit rankings was a thing like this it was similar idea i, think I don't fit think rankings isn't it huge now? I don't know. I think it's huge now. Yeah, and I think, but that element was more with the government and stuff. Yeah, that that uh, that that's that was one of the ways he was pitching. Right. That Patrick was pitching that again, another right. flow track thing. Think about the culture. I mean, flow track started in Austin. <laughs> it's like huge. I mean, flow the flow sports, which is now in wrestling, it's huge. I mean, in in all in gymnastics, it's huge, and all these other areas. Is it really? Oh, it's gigantic. Flow sports is a media conglomerate. <laughs> they've Sports got they've got an like a that's another thing that like I, that blows my mind i drive by that building on like springdale and i'm like yeah yeah yep look at that beautiful office yep i get just they're right there with the boston bouldering with yeah, the austin bouldering exactly yep. mm-hmm. i mean some gorgeous gorgeous you know so there's another idea i've you know this is just us spitballing but there's another idea i've had for a long time i think could go um, is instead of doing a home base location related to training, you do a home base relationship with a gym and you call it a runner's gym. And the runner's gym focus is on 
all groups, all people, all things, but you've got a massage therapist, physical therapists, um, you've got a coffee shop element and you've got, you've got a tray could be the home base of it in a sense is saying, you know, this is a locate, we, we, we kind of quote unquote owning the space in some kind of way, but by having a gym, you could allow for all those groups. Now there's a little bit of this without athletic outcomes. Do you know what I mean? Athletic right. outcomes has a kind of a vibe with this, but I do think that's another underutilized, under recognized aspect, which is what are the other things that runners need every time that I aren't go out, being yeah. met? What's another need? And one of the things, and I know, I, what, th- I think it's a place to go. It's a place to I go, wanna, but I want a place to go. I want the, a place to work. But the only wanna, way you're going to re- generate that revenue, you're not going to do it through food sales. You're not going to do it. You're going to have to find a way to get little. It's not even a business model, in my opinion. It's like it's. It, it's the equivalent it, but it, of. It, I hear you, but I don't know how you're going to make that happen in a local community. You know what I mean? In a community, in this community, because it's so expensive. You know, maybe if you were in Detroit, you could get a warehouse in the bad part of town and make it roll, and you know, get something for ten dollars a square foot or twenty dollars a square foot. But that makes me think again. Remember when? Sort of, we I think we may have brushed on it when we like in the first few episodes we were talking about the models of training in the U.S. versus other parts of the world. What if, and this- That episode just came out, actually. Just recently came out. This is like a huge stretch, and you all probably just going to laugh in my face. But what if somebody knew somebody at City Hall, and you're like, this town needs a sport community center? Well, this is Parks and Rec's job. So, I mean, this is a place where Parks and Rec- could be a leader in this area or the city could be a leader in this area. The town used to be advertised as a city within a park. Correct. And I think it still is. And, you know, there have been, you know, the, the problem with that is just the, always the internal politics, city yeah. politics are really, really challenging. We know we just went through ice apocalypse and well, we just heard city that. managers are not. It seems <laughs> like there's more of an emphasis on real estate. And frankly, yeah. when we were in California, we also just heard it's hot, hot take, hot ticket item. But. I didn't realize that Austin was advertising towards Californians to move here. Oh yeah, they are. Dude, far, my right. neighborhood is fifty percent. We didn't even know that. Yeah. And frankly, first of all, y'all come on over. It's a great place. It's fabulous. As a local, we're not being told that that's happening. Mm-hmm. We weren't told that there's a there's a big effort. They said in um, in I forget where it was. I think it might have been was it San Francisco. San Diego, um, Seattle, maybe uh, one of them. We were asking people like, my my question was kind of like, what, what's the allure? Why Austin? They were like, oh, we're you can't turn on the radio without hearing an ad that says, come here. The property prices are lower. <laughs> there's live music. There's this, and I'm like, oh amazing my, food culture. Are, you, are yeah. you kidding me? Like we don't know that. Like mm-hmm. because. We like me representing the kind of like royal kind of like kind of like the royal week. Yeah, yeah it's right. like uh well last night at these prices seem last night at nine thirty when I was picking up my mother in law at Austin Bergstrom, it was packed. <laughs> People coming in and these are all thirty years old and younger. Mm-hmm. Backpacks. It. This is a destination place we, for a lot of. People. But we it found was, that I was like, they're going where are they back. Stay? They're going, a lot of the people that we talked to, they said, we've, I, we know a lot of people that have moved there, but now they're starting to move back Yeah, because 
there is I think that there needs I think there needs to be a consolidated effort to focus on what we've got and how to build it up and I think that the parks and rec and the the these types of things are maybe the trail conservancy and all these folks they're doing an incredible job but man like we we need we need to really focus on this as a community. I think it's one of our biggest assets. Well, we don't have a pro we we have a pro sports soccer team, but that's in the domain that's seven and a half eight miles north of downtown. We don't have a pro league downtown. We have the new Moody Center mm-hmm. for and we can move lots of people around downtown. But if you really want to look at the pro sports venue, it's Town Lake. That's the thing that moves people around downtown mm-hmm. literally. And and I just think that there's so much that can probably be done from an asset. I think like it. if you were going to build a clubhouse, right? With showers and all that kind of stuff, I think the best location would be Zilker. Zilk, Zilker is going to be a concert venue year-round within the next 10 years anyway. It's not going to be Zilker Park anymore. But I think Zilker Park... Isn't it built on like a... Is it, is it, what's underneath that ground? <laughs> uh, just rock. Okay. Okay. I don't, I don't know what's going on there. Uh, well, I, I'm from a foundation. <laughs> I'm the man who <laughs> no, surveyed the Zilker, land. like... I, I, who, who's the big company that puts on all the... South by Southwest and uh, M, uh, ACL and T3 or something. What is M- it? Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. they, I think they're going to end up sort of buying Zilker. Mm-hmm. They already the have in a lot yeah. of ways with the city. I don't think yeah. the city will ever give that up. I don't no. think that they can. Um, I think that they've already done, and it may end up happening. That could end up happening. I do think that the best, then that, you know, that's another approach is to look at Parks and Rec and say, Um, what would it look like to create a community like you have a community center, the Mexican American community center. Um, you have a couple of other community centers. What would it, what would need to happen? What would that look like? How would that operate? What would it, how would it, what would, what would need to occur to make something like that happen? And especially, especially when you think about on the East side, um, there are sections, you know, I think about, um, a great location for something like that could be, on the other side of Pleasant Valley, you know, where they've got the new disc golf, where that disc golf course yeah. has gone and go those baseball fields are yeah. over there. They keep having a problem with that washout, that yeah. that one creek that washes out there just above, right. what do they call it sometimes, Secret Beach? Yeah. Right above Secret Beach, just on the other side of Pleasant Valley. Yeah. That location is a spot, you know, they got that, that um, jump, that uh, firefighters jump yeah. thing that's there. But over there, there could be potential to have a shed, right? And yeah. all you're looking for, and there's huge amounts of parking over there. Yeah. You're looking for a physical location for runners to con- congregate and show up, to show up and say, hey, we're over here. And you know, your rogues aren't going to go over there. Your gazelles are going to stay in their places. But other groups might go over there and they might locate in a spot like that and do something. I mean, I do think maybe parts of You could also invite rogues. You but could, let's go you know, back. You could, yeah, let's you go know, back to one. over and hang out at our spot for a race this well, weekend. Or well, something. then you also create i think you create you use fit rankings or something like that to create that ranking system and you just own that you just go in and say we need a level we need a you need a hippodrome you need some not it doesn't need to be a physical place but the hippodrome is town lake and then the various locations on the other in other parts of it right where you where you, and strava's designed so for this now so round and people out. are doing fkts if fkt is the coolest thing in the trail world keep your fkts or your strava segment awards and partner with Strava in a way to make something like that happen. I don't know. There's lots of crazy ideas. So rounding the conversation out, if it's all right, is kind of like coming into this, this search for, um, 
what is what is the home court? It sounds like we gravitated towards you'd have to fundamentally create one that doesn't necessarily exist, that could exist, that probably does exist in other communities. Maybe it doesn't matter. It, it, it's just interesting to me that like we've defined it loosely as the city or region. Home court can be a city or a region. And it represents it, it just coming back to it. It just, it's such a heavy, it's such a heavy, it's a, it's a big effort. It, it's like you have to build. It's definitely a heavy lift. It, <laughs> yeah. No it's not, it. it doesn't exist as it stands necessarily. Because I do think, and this is maybe a place we could finish this discussion off is have a little bit of a argument, right? A healthy argument about, like there's a part of me that wonders if it ever could work because there's an element of subculture that's inherent in running that's not in other sports. I don't want to be a pessimist, but I have come to that wall. I would actually argue and I, I don't want I don't want to sound like a this portion of my life I'm searching very hard to be an optimist <laughs> and I'm telling you like I'm getting I, I feel like sometimes I'm just like in the bottom of this hole and I'm like clawing trying to find meaning towards the light up at you know at the top that's of because it. you're spending all day with Google Analytics exactly <laughs> it's absolutely terrible if I was working in a place like some of the happiest work I've ever done was in Rogue. was in the 410 speed shop oh yeah that's and a, at Medici yep. and you know and there was that I could work all day every day at that place period I love it I watch people come in I watch them looking at the shoes I jump in on the floor say hello like I mean to me that there's there's something special about that but I I deep down wonder if this is even possible for the is it if, if it's even possible for the sport period and not saying that the, that the activity of running doesn't have style or you can't exhibit style. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that there are communities and clubs and everything that, that you can build this up. But like this mission to define it is really, really tough. It makes me wonder if it can actually be done. Um, and But one of the, let's think about this. One of the things about diversity is that and this is the problem with politics co-opting diversity is they're trying to take kind of what we're talking about here. They're trying to take diversity and turn it into something that they can do something with. Now I know you're not doing that. Mm -hmm. um, I know what you're saying is you see the various stakeholders of various positions in various parts of the country doing different things in different ways, recognizing the saturation of ways to get out to the, to the public mm -hmm. and hitting the public. But then you're bringing it back here as a politician, quote unquote, mm -hmm. as a, as a, as a marketer, someone mm -hmm. who's doing, trying to sell a product mm -hmm. and saying, how do I'm wishing for something different when I wonder, just like with the liberals and diversity, it gets to the point where diversity can't be codified. It can't be put into a box. Like it's got to stay crazy chaos. Carosa, <laughs> like it's got to have this element to grow effectively and move effectively. And running has hardcore track people, hardcore road runners, hardcore, um, especially when you talk about marathon, they're very hardcore. Like marathon who, is very hardcore. If trail runners who are super hardcore trail runners. And there's a lot of us who play in all those fields, 
right? We play in all those fields. We are the generalists, the ones who kind of like, I, I, if you asked me to go run a all out 400 and I gave me enough time to get ready for it and there was a track series and somebody called me out, fucking I'd go do it. But I also maybe consider, told you one of my bucket lists is to run the Pacific Crest Trail. So I'm down for the long trail stuff too. Like, but it, there are less and less of us generalists out there. Now, maybe Bless there you. aren't. Maybe there is this grand plethora. Of- well, I think, I think to become a generalist, you have to have some time on your feet. You know what I mean? You get to exp- And there are a lot of, I think a lot of the people, particularly who've moved here to Austin, are probably closer to Michael than they are to you and me, who started running back in the 70s and have tried a little bit of everything. And- Specifically, I'm looking as a representation for this new era yeah. of how people enter into the running community. You so know, I, it's like, it's like, what's the entry point for people getting into it today? Well, how I, does the sport grow? Where is it growing? Is it before it's time? Is it after it's time? Where is it going? The segments that are growing are growing because of new people, right? It's not because, for sure. I mean, it's not because roadies are, we know that data to, from COVID. Yeah. We're, and it, the roadies aren't moving to the trail. Yeah. I mean, they are, but you know, people, trail right now has it's sexy it's got cachet people who've been around a long time are generalists almost by default just because they've tried it all and so i think there are a lot of people like you who just haven't even had the time to go do this and this and this yet you know what i mean because they they still want to make the half marathon they still think they have some half marathon prs in them or whatever and then after a while you're like oh, I want to go try this, or I want to go try... And so that's why we go back to right now, the clubhouse we have is just the roads in Austin because that's the collective meeting place. And, and that includes Town Lake. Mm-hmm. But, and I don't even know what I just said. No, so, it makes sense. Um, I think that the... Like all the new events, like Take the Bridge and stuff like that, is probably for a lot of people, is like the first time they've seen something where they go, For sure. I want to try that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Part- you know, think about, think about the Austin community anyway. The Austin community is when I moved here, Austin was like 500,000 people. And Runtex was the de facto center because it was that was all there was and the guy who was running it did a really good job of making sure everybody knew who was there he was the pied piper baby he was the pied piper (laughs) and now you have a bunch of little pied pipers Mm -hmm. right in a town how many people live here now like a million and a half something whatever and you know it's 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 the city's reached the size where people who've lived here for a long time can't afford to live here anymore. Like me, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, it makes me wonder if this was a great place to start up the company sometimes, but that's just from well, the financial aspect. Of for, it. From the, I think it is because the people who are moving here are still relatively young and the ones in my neighborhood, if they do have kids, the kids aren't even walking yet. You know what I mean? So in terms of that demographic and their spending habits, it's a great place for it. It's a great place for it. Um, but I, yeah, I think 
until some like the the city or some amazing benefactor comes in and says we're going to build a community center i think you have to make you have to like take the amorphous chaos of it and somehow figure out i think that's to- it i think because if there was a place like that then you get an athlete or an enthusiast like myself i absolutely love talking to gilbert it's always short you know, he, he, yep. he's he's always coming and going. Yeah. But every time, I just like I just love saying hello to him. I love seeing seeing him out on the trail, mm-hmm. and I love talking to Chris and passing. You know, every once in a while, you know, love talking to Cunningham on the track. I mean, I've always loved talking to you guys. Like, I mean, I just love the banter. Yeah. I absolutely love the that what's up guys what's going on what are y'all working on yeah all right i'm gonna like that i'm gonna full circle this thing okay and i don't know if it'll if it'll work but i'm gonna try thread this needle Mm -hmm. off mike when we started this i walked in the door and said i've got a great idea Mm -hmm. i called it the austin run culture project right right maybe this project is this something like the three of us talking about Austin running culture in a consistent way and getting guests on and talking to them in a way that says, talk to Carosa, talk to Jeff, talk to Gilbert, talk to the Hesses, talk to, to Eric Stanley with trail roots, oh, yeah. talk to Joe Presadis, mm-hmm. talk to the stakeholders who've we been here. Talk so to the head. Much, so talk to Mark, Mark, to Flori- Mark Floriani, who's the Put owner of Put it all Flo- together. We have the greatest, we have the greatest thing that's ever happened. And it's free. No one's asking for it. Yeah. It doesn't have to have a physical location. It's all culture. It's Get all Leo. on board. What? Get Leo. Get Leo. For sure. That's what I'm Get saying. Le- I mean, could Leo, like. These guys are all, these guys and girls, all these people are people we definitely, we like I said, one of the people I said was some. We need to, in that thing. You 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 interview Ruth England. Ruth Ruth England is the unsung hero of the transition from row from Runtex to what what Austin sees now. I get a lot of credit for that because I was sort of the guy that got pushed out to the front because you know I'm, I'm the Pied Piper kind of guy. But this person who wrote the script, the person who wrote that music, was Ruth, and she yeah. wrote it unbelievably well. I mean, another person is Craig Staley. There's, there are, there, you're so, and then you can go through all the UT athletes, all the UT coaches, Jason Vigilante, that they don't have to live here anymore, but who was impactful on Austin running culture? When you do that, when you start to piece that apart, what's the thing? People. Yeah. Now I, I, my frame for this is I've discussed it before on this podcast is UT as a physical UT as uh, the competition element. Town Lake Trail for the physical location and then people moving around. And then I called it Carosa before, but now I would call it culture. Now I would just call it all those people. And you just harvest those stories in such a way that you, and then around those stories, you create events where we're, we're going to have three of those guys. We're gonna, okay. Did you like our podcast? We're going to have five of these people are going to show up and talk shit. Or we're going to have Gilbert, Steve, John, and, um, Gilbert, Steve, John, Eric, and Cunningham do a coaches roundtable. And we're just going to talk about what we love about the sport. We're going to record it, and we're going to video it. We're going to record it. We're going to put it out there. And, it, and it's not— that's, that's been my 
Damn. It's not for money. It's not for anything. <laughs> it's just for it's just for the pure. You know, you could put you could put McClung in that category, or you could put um um Kathy Kelly, who's the new mm-hmm. K- Kathy Casey, who's the new. There is so much. Like, you want, so you much. want good stuff like that. That to me, that's that's the juice. So I think story. that there's a way to do this without thinking about it the way we have where we focused on the physical location and because we're in an internet era, is there another way? Is there another I want. I desperately want another way to not just do it on, to me, my, I I spend a lot of my time trying to think, world doesn't need another blog on, on the website. World doesn't need another YouTube page. World doesn't, what does it need? You know, like where does it live and what does it need? It needs dialogue. It needs people Yes, with each other, yes, talking to each other, yes. loving on each other, and arguing with each other because that's another form of love. And the last thing it needs is another autonomous idea working by itself to In try and say it's a community <laughs> effort, but it's not. Really not. And it's Correct. really not because we're all fooling ourselves that in was this my, culture that was trying to say that it's a community effort when it's not a fucking community effort. Period. That was my argument for what you were saying before because it was there, what, there was the element of this is you you because of the frame takes, of reference it takes friction to be community no there's no doubt <laughs> it takes a, that's what Carose's genius was yeah he put competition as the key thing compete when i when he let me go from rogue from runtex and i had to go and i was like he said okay i'm not gonna do this anymore i'm not gonna pay you he didn't really fire me he just said i'm not gonna pay you anymore so i'm not sure what that is exactly i've always been a little bit confused mm. but it is quintessential Carosa, isn't yeah. it? It's like so beautiful. And so I was, I was renting space. Well, Runtex University, which I was the head of, had its own space. And then when I left, when I went back to talk to Ruth and Carolyn, who were, who, and I said, um, we're now out on our ear and I don't know what we're going to do. And we talked about it real quick. And the three of us sat there and she said, Ruth goes, you need to go back in that room and you need to get free rent. You need to go back in that room and get free rent. She said, "Would you? do you want to do this? I'm like, I want to win. I want to win. I want to do this. I want to do this. Because we had just created the paid model. Yeah. And he was just going to let it go because you know, he had financial worries and troubles yeah. and stuff like that. So anyway, I marched back into his office and I said, hey, can I do this? I'm going to call it something else, but can I do it? And we had just started up the Rogue Trail Series as a separate event. And then I said, so I called it Rogue, right? And he said to me, the words he said to me was, yes, you can do it. And yes, I'll give you free rent for a little while. I don't know how long. I can do that. But I'm coming for you. I'm going com- to compete with you. He never did. He never actually did right. because he had a lot of other things to do. But I've always felt this immense, deep respect for Paul Carosa. I always have had that for him. I, he has expa- exasperated me to no end on, on a number of occasions. But you, you put your you, when you said that, John. When you put your finger on the genius that he was, was yeah. that's the American DIY frontier culture. Yeah, compete, compete, compete for the love of competition yeah. because it's the human element of expansion and evolution and growth and moving unfortunately it's all targeted towards a capitalistic model but at the end of the day it's still it still is the thing that drives us right i got another dig at the capitalism yeah the anarchist is taking another dig at it anyway anyway well this has been it's been amazing it's like a cool conversation i do worry a little bit for our listeners who are non-austinites but you know what i think that if we do something with that um austin run culture project 
this is the beauty of it. I was just thinking is like, then if we do it effectively and do it well, and you do it for a year or so, then you can go to Portland. Well, maybe somebody from another community, if you're, if you're one of the people listening and, and it does work, and we'd you love eat. to know what what's working. Where's your home court? Like how yeah. have y'all how have y'all done that? I'll how make sure you... I put that in the intro that yeah. people know that. Yeah, we did get Ryan from um, Rose City uh, Track Club in Portland who sent us a note. It was great to talk to him via email. He's um, I, I made a call out last week on our podcast to just say, hey, any of you listening? Tell us who you are. And he did. Um, they're doing really cool things there. That's a nonprofit track club in Portland, Oregon. And they do everything from travel to marathons. He told me he was on the starting line really, really close to where you were at Houston because he saw Mike Chow. Mm. And uh, what's his name? Michael. Ch- anyway, no, you're, tra- you're probably talking about Matt. Matt Choi. Matt Choi. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, I didn't know who the guy, I don't know who that reference is, but he said he was around you guys because he saw him. So he said he must have been right down, right around yeah. where you were we at the were start a loud of Houston. Bunch. They brought a big crew. He said he brought like set 11 athletes that came out there. They kind of have the old rogue model where they, yeah. but they're a nonprofit group that shows up. They've got a coach with that group and they prepare for events and they do community related things. So Black Rose, other things like that. You know, What's it's, it called? it's called Rose City Track Club. It's pretty cool. Ryan, Ryan, shout out to you, brother. Um, yeah, well, we'll see where this goes, guys. But thanks. I really like that idea of like just covering the the personal history through the stories of all the personal history of the city in the running community through all the players. But that's where is, these are. It's, it's the equivalent. And I always bring it back to the coolest movements that have happened. And they all had 400 square meters. Like this is our equivalent of like the jerseys on the wall. Right. Mm-hmm. Hanging from the rafters yes. and shit. Like we need those stories. And and, and if it. we don't do it soon, I do have a worry about Austin. And because it's, it's moving and changing so much that we're going to lose... Big business is going to come in. Like we can't do this lose. if we're going to we're going to lose it. I'm telling you, we've got to have. That's okay. <laughs> I mean, that that's just evolve. That's evolution. That's the way things yep. go. Yeah. And there's a collapse coming down the line anyway. So everybody's going to have to put the yeah. p- big boy pants on for that shit when that comes down. But I do think that you know we don't want to lose. Like we lost Stan Huntsman. Like we could have right. had a conversation with the the long term track coach at the University of Texas. We could talk to his wife who's still around, but we couldn't talk to him, you know? Um, And so we do want to make sure that as Austin's changing and shifting and the, the sands are shifting and things are that, that, Hey, there's something really beautiful here. And, and to me, there'll be a 10 episode series on Paul Carrozza. I mean, or a whole, where he just keeps coming in as a guest host all the time, where he brings in conversation with that because he is, but again, you know, the idea there is that, this is a way that we can say, so where's the home court advantage? The home court advantage is in the hearts of runners. And, but, but those hearts need to be stirred. They need something to point towards. They need something to move towards. Um, so any of you listeners who think that maybe you've got a better model, mm. we would love to hear it. Um, Rock and, roll. and I gave you the instructions on how to reach me on the intro to this. So do so guys, another good one in the thank books. You, thank you. That was fun.